0: Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read the first 12 verses and then read the final two verses, verses 24 and 25. Yeah, I would do without that thing today, Jet. I don't know, just last minute decision. Thank you, though, brother. Um, First Peter chapter one, verses one through 12 and uh, 24 and 25. Title of this message is just like us. Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. And then verses 24 and 25, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful to you for your written word. We're thankful to you for your written word because your written word points us to the living word who is your son and our savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the word that was preached not only in the first century, but throughout the centuries since. The word of the good news, the gospel. That's your word too. Lord, I'm thankful that your word still gives guidance for us. I'm thankful that the people to whom your word was first written, whether it was in Jeremiah's day in 600 B.C., or if it was in uh, John's day in 96 A.D., or if it was in Peter's day, presumably in 65 A.D. Those people though so different from us, are just like us. They found themselves in circumstances beyond their abilities to manage, and they were desperate for a word from you. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. About two weeks after this uh, pandemic became public. And when we started streaming along with other churches, streaming our worship services and Bible studies and devotions and so forth, I received a phone call. It was a phone call out of the blue. It was a friend of mine, a fellow pastor. He was calling. I hadn't heard from him in a while. We're close, but we don't talk all that often. And he called me and he said, look, I, I, I was just thinking about you, and I wanted to call you with all that's going on with this coronavirus thing. He said, "Honestly, he says I just wanted somebody to talk to you who I felt understands what I'm going through as a pastor. Pastors don't often do that. In fact, I'm sad to say that most of us pastors have a distrust of other pastors. We shouldn't. That's not the way it ought to be. That's not the way Jesus planned it, for sure, for sure. But uh, that is uh, still the way it is. But he called me, and and uh, we talked for probably about forty-five minutes. And by the time we got through, I realized that although he had called me uh, to seek encouragement from me, I was the one who was on the receiving end of the encouragement and the the comfort. The fact of the matter is, all of us would like to know that there's someone out there that we can talk to who is just like us. Darlene Check is the former worship leader for Hillsong Church in Sydney, Australia. Uh, she's written several uh, top of the charts Christ, contemporary Christian songs, most notably Shout to the Lord that was, uh, she wrote and performed during the 90s. Another song that she uh, recorded is one that's called Just Like Us. And the lyrics to that song go something like this, all over the world, people just like us are calling your name, living in your love. All over the world, people just like us are following Jesus. So far during these times of quarantine, while the church is in exile is what I like to call it, uh, I've been reading in the scriptures on Sunday morning from different Crises that people in biblical times were facing, and and how God spoke to those folks in their crisis. For four weeks, I was in the book of Revelation, a crisis that occurred during the last decade of the first century. Uh, in uh, Jeremiah, last week, I talked about a crisis that occurred in the uh, first half of the sixth century BC, and then uh, today, uh, from First Peter, a crisis that occurred during the first century in probably, most scholars believe, in the decade of the 60s. All three were different crises, but crises that affected God's people, crises where people looked to God for a word. In Revelation, in that crisis in the last decade of the first century, John wrote to his listeners who were across the sea from where he was. And in verse 9 of Revelation 1, he says, I, John, you're a brother and companion in the sufferings that are ours in Jesus. In that one simple phrase, John was saying to his readers, I'm just like you. I am experiencing some of the same things that you are. Well, here we're reading in 1 Peter 1 Peter uh, was written at a time, we think, during the decade of the 60s in the first century. The Roman Emperor Nero was in power. He uh, was a construction fanatic and he wanted to rebuild the city of Rome. The city of Rome was pretty much developed out, at least Rome proper. And so there was a great fire in the year 64. Much of the city of Rome downtown was burned to the ground. And a lot of people blame Nero for it. In fact, he probably ordered the setting ablaze of the city so that he could rebuild it. But after the city was burned to the ground, he needed a scapegoat to blame the fires on. Otherwise, the people were going to blame him. And so uh, the most convenient people or group of people to scapegoat were Christians. And so in the city and Metropolis, suburban area of Rome, there was a widespread persecution of Christians. It was during this time, we believe that the apostle Paul was beheaded by the Roman emperor Rome, by the Roman emperor Nero. Uh, Traditional history says that during this time, Simon Peter was crucified upside down by the Roman emperor Nero. But before Peter died, the people in Rome who were Christians, they were fleeing Rome to other parts of the empire seeking protection from the Roman military. And Peter is writing to these people in this crisis. Some people believe that first Peter is a handbook for new Christians who were going through different kinds of hardships. If that is the case, then it's kind of like a, a baptismal charge. We pastors sometimes when we're preaching on a day that we've, we've also baptized new members into the fellowship, into the church family, will we'll present a charge to those baptismal candidates that kind of launches them in their uh, Christian walk. And some scholars believe that that's what the first epistle of Peter is about. The thing that I love about the Bible in general, is that every single book was written for a specific purpose or set of purposes. And so many of the books of the Bible were written to people in crisis to help them deal with that crisis. How do people of faith deal with the crises that come to everyone in our world? God sent a word to Jeremiah in the 600s, 600 to 500 BC about a crisis. Then God sent a word to John the decade, last decade of the first century uh, crisis then, and now to the people of first Peter. But, But the wonderful thing about God's messages to the people then is that even though we and they are separated by thousands of miles of geography, And between 19 and 20, maybe 24 centuries of time and light years of culture, we're so much alike. They're just like us. And that's what we find in this passage and that's what brings me so much comfort. From the opening verses of this letter, 1 Peter, we know something about the pe- the people to whom Peter is writing, and the more we know about them, the more we realize how much like them we are. For instance, these people first off were in an active relationship with God that was envied by prophets and angels alike. Verse three, praise to the praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us a new birth. We who are saved have a new birth. The moment that I gave my life to Christ, I was born again. I have a new life, a new hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's verse three, verse 10 concerning this salvation. Peter says, the prophets, that would be Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jonah, all those guys, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, verse 11, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Verse 12. It was revealed to them, to the prophets, that they were not serving themselves, but you, Peter says, his readers, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. In other words, the prophets, as they were preaching and and prophesying concerning things that would happen, in some cases several centuries later, they were God was preparing them to deliver messages that were not so much for them as they were for Peter's readers and for us today. You and I, who are people of faith, people who are followers of Christ, who have a relationship with Christ, we have something that the prophets, though they had a relationship with God, it wasn't anything like what you and I have. They envy God as they're in heaven today, they envy what you and I have. We have a relationship with God that was envied by the prophets, but not only the prophets, the last part of verse 12, even angels long to look into these things. You see, God's plan of salvation was for human beings, not for angels there was no plan of salvation for angels. Their, their, whole, God's whole plan for the angels was different than his plan for us. And his plan for us was and is, and always will be so incredibly majestic and awesome that even angels look at us and envy what we have. So many of us envy or we, we long to know what the angels know, what it's like to be an angel. The angels long to know what we are like and what our lives are like. Peter's readers were in an active relationship with God envied by prophets and angels. So are we second Peter's readers had been uniquely chosen by God. God had chosen them. Look at verse two. He's talking to, uh, those people who, um, Christians to whom he's reading, he's he's preaching. And he says this, you who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the father been chosen through the sanctifying work of the spirit, sanctifying means set apart by the spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Uh, When I think about being chosen, I think about back in uh, my elementary school days, I used to play baseball, love playing baseball, played for the Dave's Creek Cardinals, played second base. And I was uh, okay, good enough to be the first string, a second baseman, but not really great. Not so great that when we'd go to recess at school that I would ever be the first person chosen. You ever remember being, uh, you you, you have two groups, or you have a big group of kids, and there are two people who are team captains, and, and, and you do this thing where you put your fist up to the top of a bat, and the one who had his hand on the knob of the bat is the one who chose first, and they start choosing. I'll choose him. I'll choose Joey. I'll choose Alan. I'll choose Lawrence. I never was one who was the last one to be chosen, but I never was one who was the first one. I always thought about the guys who were the last to be chosen. (laughs) But you know what's amazing? Every one of us, every one of you, wherever you are, whatever your circumstance, whatever your position in life, whatever you're going through right now, I want you to hear this. God chose you as though he had chosen you first. Every person is in a condition and a position as if God chose you first. That's what it's like to be chosen by God. God has chosen you of first choice, according to his foreknowledge, set apart by his spirit to be on his team, to be obedient to Christ and sprinkled with his blood. The people to whom Peter was preaching were chosen by God uniquely. You and I are chosen by God uniquely. Not only that, but Peter's listeners were being supernaturally kept by God, kept by God. Verse four, and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. The word kept there is like a military term. It is fortressed. It is locked, stocked, barreled. Nobody can get to it kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded, another military term, by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. What is that coming of salvation? It's when the Lord comes back. We don't know when that's going to be. For some of us, he's going to come back and take us home through death. For others, uh, he's going to come back once and for all and take those who are alive and remaining home and the dead in Christ shall rise. But until that point, Peter's listeners like us their salvation was kept guarded safeguarded secured fortified by God's power you and I are saved by grace that it is that is it is a, a free gift from God to us and we are kept by God's grace We didn't do anything to get our salvation. We don't do anything to keep or lose it. Not only that, but Peter goes on to say that his readers were in exile, not where they wanted to be. Verse one, Peter says to God's elect, those who've been chosen, Christians, people who are Christ followers, people who have a relationship with Christ, exiles, exiles, What is an exile? An exile is someone who is away from their homeland, not necessarily by choice. They're in a position. They're in a location. They're in a condition. They're in a predicament, a situation that was not of their choosing. It's not where they'd like to be. He says, your exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Most likely, these were Christians whose home hometown was Rome, but because of persecution, they had to flee, and they were somewhere else trying to manage exile. Many of us, during this time of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, we feel somewhat in exile. Granted, we've made the use of it, good use of it, but at the same time, there are things we miss. The fact that we miss some things means that we appreciate some things. That's a good thing. And so I, that, that is really good. But, but we kind of feel like we're in exile. We're not exactly where we'd like to be. I'm up here this morning preaching to some media staff, some sign language staff, praise band members, and uh, to, uh, for the most part, this, this worship center is empty chairs. There are people listening online. I appreciate you doing that. Viewing online, I appreciate you. It's different. I long for the day when we pack this place out again, if we can pack it, play, pack it out with social distancing. I don't know exactly how that's going to work. We'll, we'll work on that for sure. But we're not where we'd like to be. For some of you... Uh, it's not just the coronavirus, not just a, a disease pandemic or a virus pandemic, but you're just in a place where job wise or relationship wise or depression wise or whatever. You, you are in exile. Some of us have been in exile for a long time, long before a virus broke out. And to us, God has a word. Just like Peter's first recipients were exiles scattered where they did not want to be. You and I are God's people more often than not in places where we'd rather not be always looking for something better. Always looking for that ray of uh, hope and light at the end of the tunnel. We're in exile, but not where we wanted to be. They were much like us. Not only that, but they were experiencing hardships of various kinds. Verse six, in all of this, in all of your relationship with God, the fact that you're chosen, the fact that you're gifted, the fact that you're kept, he says, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Hmm. That sound familiar? These have come, he says in verse seven, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. They were experiencing hardships. Peter knew it. He's trying to address what they're uh, feeling. He's trying to help them navigate these uh, uncharted waters. God is doing the same thing for us. We go through different trials, we go through different hardships, and God always has a word for us if we're just be willing to listen. During these hardships, you and I may find, as Peter's folks found, that sometimes it's hard to see God in our hardships. Sometimes it's hard to see Jesus. Notice verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, yet you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter's readers were experiencing hardships. In those hardships, sometimes they just couldn't seem to see or feel God. It seemed like God was AWOL. And Peter is saying, look, even though you can't see him in your hardship, he's there And I know you love him and you're hanging on to him. The final thing that Peter tells us is that these people to whom he's writing, he knows that they needed a word from God that helped them. So why was Peter writing to these people? Well, they were living in uncharted waters. They were desperate for a word from God, a word that would last. And so in verses 24 and 25, Peter mentions something. He says, for all people are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But in contrast to uh, earthly life, human life, the word of the Lord, that word that is the written word, that word that is the living word, Jesus, that word that is the preached word, the gospel, the good news, the word of the Lord endures forever. And Peter says, this is the word that was preached to you. You were desperate for a word from God. And here I am giving you that sought for word. In the past several weeks, we who are uh, pastors, shepherds, preachers, have sought God for a word to our people in crisis. We need a word from God, and we need to know that there are people in this world who are much like us. Helen Rice, a sociologist and researcher, wrote a book called The Empathy Effect. And she says this, she says, the ability to connect empathetically with others, to feel with them, to care about their well-being, to act with compassion is critical to our lives. It's critical to helping us get along, she says, to work more effectively and to thrive as a society. One of my favorite old TV programs was Cheers. Kind of odd for a Baptist preacher since Cheers was all about a a bar. But I love Cheers. It was funny. Ted Danson, several of the other characters, they were all different and yet they were very much the same. What I really like about it is the, the theme song that started out that show. Those of you who are my age and older, you remember it, don't you? It was a song about being at a place, finding a place where people were just like us. And it went like this. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. You know what I love about my church family? It's that they're just like me. No, we're not. We're not all in the same boat. Even in this crisis, not everybody's in the same boat. But we're all in different boats navigating the same body of water. Jesus has brought us together. We have a relationship with Him. And it's a relationship that unites us. Granted, we we disagree on so many things. Even people in my own church family. You want want to start a fight in a Baptist church? Just pull some folks together and mention most any social issue. Mention politics. Mention the color of the carpet. Mention changing anything. You'll have a fight on your hands. But one thing I know. When I come to church on a normal Sunday morning and I see the people who make up my church family, we may disagree. But I know they would give me the shirts off their backs. I know that if I call them, they would drop whatever they were doing to come to my aid. They're just like me. Do you have someone just like you? I hope you do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that I have a relationship with you. And I'm so thankful that in my relationship with you, it's something that is not just for me, but it's for so many others, including people who come together, who know me, love me. I know them. I love them. We're a family. I'm so glad that we're not alone. We have you and we have each other. People just like us. It helps us through this stuff called life. In Jesus' name, amen.